WTL, where's the line? I'm your host, Andy Class, and joined by Gibran, oh. <laughs> the Parlay Pounder. You got it, we're back. Yes, we are, and we had a pretty fun, pretty exciting yeah. weekend starting last Thursday, right after the show. That was awesome. We got right into it. Uh, Preakness, obviously. Preakness, GPA, uh, I mean, uh, Professional Golf Championship, yep. one of the majors, uh, Nuggets, Lakers, uh, no, man. Heat, <laughs> Celtics. So, yeah, we're in the thick of it right now, and it, that was a lot of fun. Uh, one thing I wanted to go back on, Andy, because your your guy, you're talking Blazing Sevens. Yes, all, I was. All yes, weekend was. long, you're talking about Blazing Sevens for the Preakness, and he was right there. Yeah. Six to one odds oh, when it when it came down to you know the yep. end of and he plays second so he was right there another guy that we were talking about the entire time which you know with a field of seven you know you're going to say about every name but national treasure yeah. with the four to one odds took took down right. the race and it, it was a lot of fun to see we talked a lot about Bob Baffert and that sure. was his horse and that was his eighth. Preakness wow. that Bob Baffert was able to take down. And there was a huge shift in the odds just a couple hours before the race. Yeah. And that was because first mission. My guy. Bowed out. Yep. Okay, so kind of a hit, kind of a miss there as we're, we're kind of running it down. Um, but that was such a, a crazy uh, shift there that went from eight horses to seven. Yeah. Uh, Chase to Chaos was a 50 to one. Uh, Coffee with Chris was a 20 to one. The biggest odds was only 10 to 1 for all seven. That was the worst one was 10 to 1 after first mission dropped out. So it really put the 148th Preakness kind of up on its head. And Mage came in third. He's right there, just couldn't make the kick. Didn't have the kick at the end, and everyone made a big deal about it. He was the only one, the only horse out of the seven (laughs) that ran the week before at the Derby. For sure. um, But that also leads into the Belmont. That's going to be a lot of fun June 10th. And Forte is currently your odds leader at 3-1. to one. Yep. Let's go back to that PGA, because I remember you saying, and a friend of the program, <laughs> yeah. uh, Jeremy Odom, J-O of Omaha Twitter there, Yep. Uh, he right away tweeted saying, you know what, I agree with Jabron yeah. on old Brooksy. Brooks Kepka, 9-under, took down the tournament, yeah. won a big major, drinking beer out of the cup there. <laughs> uh, no, it was just a lot of fun. That's how we do it on live. That's how we do it on live. That's how we do it on live, you know. <laughs> and, you know, everybody's, you know, kind of favorite going into it. Um, you know, Scotty Scheffler, oh, he you know, one of, he yeah. plays second at 7-under. Yeah. The the real big outlier here, Andy, is John Rahm was the outright, mm-hmm. you know, odds favorite, and he just came out and played really bad the first day yeah. and was never able to come out of that whole yeah. ending with... Uh, uh, you know, uh, plus seven there. So that's pretty tough Ouch. for John Rom. But uh, no, that was a lot of fun watching Brooks and, uh, you know, getting one of the live guys to win one of those majors. So they, they, can, they got the monkey off their back. Now they can just, you know, you kind of stop talking about it. There you go. Uh, I, I feel like they're still going to talk a little oh, bit. Oh, for sure. But they anyway, uh, we also had, as you mentioned, NBA playoffs were yeah. rolling on. And I, I called it a, uh, WTL <clears throat> called it a tough win as they retreated, yeah. we retweeted. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Uh, your three-legger. Yeah. You, you nailed the three-legger, but you didn't get the outcome as far as the win goes. Yeah, twice during the Western Conference Finals, I've hit a, a, <laughs> a three-team LeBron uh-huh. parlay with yep. his points, rebounds, and assists going over every time. But, uh, you know, in, in Game 4 there, I really thought the Lakers could do it. Uh, you know, LeBron came out, scored 31 points in the yeah. first half. Yep. W- looked really good, but he is, he is older, and it— it looked like he ran out of gas and nobody else yeah. was able to pick it up. When Anthony Davis is only scoring 17 points yeah. and Joker's just doing what he wants, yeah. that's going to be tough. So, no, uh, you know, congratulations to the Denver Nuggets, a team we've covered the entire NBA season. Yes, we and have. Um, really hope they win the championship. We've been high on Joker and company. For uh, sure. And it's probably an unfair question because you are such a uh, LeBron <laughs> Uh, fan, yeah. was that a foul the last play? Oh, for sure. That was a- Grabbing his arm. <laughs> yep. I, I know I'm going to get heat for that, but no, uh, I was watching with a couple buddies, and they were just like, no, it was nothing. It was straight nothing. up, I was straight like, up. Whatever. You know, uh, it was going to be hard for him to come back from 3-0 anyway. So yeah. uh, talking about 3-0, Andy. Oh, here we go. Do we want to get in to 
Heat Celtics Game 5. Let's do it. Let's do it. This is going to be a 7.30 tip-off. That's going to be yeah. on TNT. The Heat lead the <clears throat> series 3-1, to one, just the way everyone expected it to go down. <laughs> Miami winning the first two games in, in Boston. Boston. Boston coming back. And then uh, beating Miami in Miami. And it was the first time Miami was favored. When I saw that, I'm like, oh, you're jinxing them. You're jinxing them. You're jinxing the Heat. Yep. You're not just. You're not going to allow them Even to Even as a one-point favorite, <laughs> you can't do that. But, you know, this is just kind of the way the Celtics have been. Yeah. You know, for inconsistent yeah. as the Celtics have been throughout these playoffs, they've always stepped up when they needed to win. They did so in, in the second round against Philadelphia 76ers, bouncing yep. back in uh, win game six in seven, yes, being in a 3-2 hole. And they did it again, like you said, last uh, you know, last game in Game Four, proving their uh, you know, you know their grit and mm-hmm. you know all that kind of stuff. So they're going to need some of that determination in Game Five because Jimmy Butler is going to be coming for their head because he does not yeah. want this to he does not want to give them any more hope than they already have right now. You know, and the NBA is so good at this, especially during the off season of just creating drama for sure. You know what I mean? And I, I almost felt like the post game interviews. Were, were just as enthralling as the game almost. For sure. Because you had Jimmy with that stone face on saying, we're going to do it the it's same way we always it's do good. it. Yep, yep. yep. And, and then you had Marcus Smart. You know, you finally got a win under your belt. For He's sure. Like, yeah, I told you, don't let us win don't one. Don't let us win don't one. Let us win. Like, yeah, and and just the whole city of Boston. Yeah. I, I've, you know, with the Barstool guys and all that kind of stuff, they're all just saying, this is Yankees, Red Sox again. Don't let us get one win or we're going to take the whole thing. So this, the oh, yeah. city of Boston is going to be up for game five here. And I do believe the Celtics take this one out. But the line is sitting at eight points right now, Andy. There we go. And I Come think that now. is a little inflated because Miami has already won twice in this building. Yeah, so I mean, it's the situation where I get it. I feel the momentum yeah. for Boston. I really do. And they they did, like you said, they sh- showed their grit, their talent, all that stuff. Yeah. Tatum poured in thirty three points, sure. like he always does. Yep. But you're dealing with the monster here in the Heat that they're also playing with confidence. Jimmy Butler wants to wrap things up. He doesn't. They're not intimidated by Boston for sure. Not. And they and they've well, already won. <laughs> they, yeah, he's not. And they've already won their uh, twice. And. Uh, I, there, I've been seeing on this talk about once again Al Horford throwing shade at the old guy. For sure. But now they're throwing shade at Kevin Love, and it's like, look, this dude's like 45, 46 years old. <laughs> well, he's not that old, but yeah, no, he's there to play the first 10 minutes of the game, yeah. hit two threes, come in for rebounding if they need him to be when he's rested up. So, yeah. like, and Al Horford has a little bit bigger, you know, job on the other side because right. they want him to play expanded minutes because they're bigs. Yeah. Aren't as good as Miami with you know have, having Bam on their side. They need Horford, and with the, a lot of the shade from Kevin Love is like, well, he's no good on the pick and roll. He, he gets burned. Well, most of the NBA players do get burned, let alone being a tall, slow guy. <laughs> he's, he's he doesn't play pick and roll. He's a corner shooter. He's a three point <laughs> yeah. shooter, and he can rebound a little bit. But Cal uh, uh, Corver made like a hundred year career exactly, out of that. Exactly. So. Exactly. That's just the way it is. Like I was saying, Andy, there's no stopping Jimmy Butler this postseason, but if the Celtics can contain Miami's role players, Mm -hmm. again, they'll be in good shape. Boston should be, you know, should also get a bounce. Uh, back performance from Jalen Brown, who's oddly been quiet this series, only averaging 17 points a game. So with the home crowd behind them, I do believe the Celtics get the win. I do not believe they cover, though. Uh, It's going to be real close. I'm thinking 110 to 106, something like that, which would hit that under. Jabron? (laughs) No, you're not in your nerds, Buck. I agree with you wholeheartedly on this one. No, I I, I think Boston can win at home. I really do. Um, But there's no way that they're going to win by eight, eight and a half, nine points, whatever this line's going to get up to. Um, And you're telling me that like some of the key players here is going to be like Grant Williams. For sure. They can limit Grant Williams coming off the bench. He had 14 points, uh, more than a couple starters did uh, in, in game four. So game five, I like Boston to win. Not cover. Yeah, for sure, Andy. And I'll give you my best bet right here. And it is a player prop for the Miami Heat. Caleb Martin has been a major problem for Boston this series, scoring at least 15 points in all four games and is averaging 18.5 points off the bench. His shot has been red hot. Uh, you know, in his his line is set at just twelve and a half points right now, Andy. So get that Ooh. over, and I got that over in my parlay. If you would like me to swing into that, 
All right, Mr. Parlay <laughs> Pounder. I think it is that time. It well, is. Let's hear it. Okay, I got a three-teamer here, Andy. Like I said, Caleb Martin over 12.5 points. I'm throwing that Boston win just a straight money line bet in there with okay. Jason Tatum over 30.5 points. If they want to win this game, Jason Tatum is yeah. going to be the superstar that wins the game. Like yep. I said, Caleb Martin over 12.5 points off the bench. Okay. Boston Celtics win. Jason Tatum over 30.5 points, putting $25 on this to bring back 92. That's great value. Uh, not risking a lot to win a little bit there. Uh, all those things have to happen if Boston's going to win, exactly. and we both think Boston's going to win. So I like that parlay play from the Parlay Pounder. <laughs> there you go. Hey, I want to talk a little bit about our next couple of segments coming up because we got a heck of a guest, yeah. uh, Connor Hayden, Mr. Corn Crazed himself. The corn Crazed. Anybody that's on YouTube that's a Husker fan, you know this guy. Great content each yep. and every week. He also dabbles a little bit in some sports betting. For sure. Represents a platform by the name of Bro Throw. So we'll get into that. Something new, something a little different. Yeah. Um, and we're going to talk, of course, we're going to talk Huskers, futures. We're going to talk wins, over unders, totals, and for the Big Ten and Heisman hopefuls Woo! as well. Did you know Sims was up there? Mr. Sims. <laughs> of course. He's a lock. Uh, yeah. Of He's course. a lock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Drinking the Kool Aid. I think, yeah, I think he was in the contenders bracket. For sure. he had three brackets. You know, yeah, long no, shots, I, contenders, favorites. For sure. Contenders. So, yeah. Hey, but let's take a minute to recognize one of our fabulous partners, and that is the Nebraska Brewing Company. We've been drinking the Ale Storm, the official beer of Omaha's AAA baseball team. Precisely crafted with Pilsner malt and Sterling hops, making it the perfect summer baseball beer. Don't go anywhere, folks. This is WTL. And welcome back to WTL, everybody. Where's the line? Nebraska's first and only sports betting show. Uh, we got a banger of an episode here, and we're going to start things off with the man, the crazed man, that is Connor Hayden. I think a lot of folks, Connor, uh, recognize you, know of your work, especially if they're on YouTube with your channel, Corn Crazed. You're nearly at 20,000 subs, so congratulations on that success, and hey, thanks for being on the show with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've made a lot of videos over there, so I hope a lot of people have seen them, and I hope a lot of people in Nebraska know who I am now. Hey, and you also represent Bro Throw, and we'll get into that a little later on here, but that's a sports betting platform that I think a lot of folks might not know about. It's a little different. It's kind of new, um, but of course, that's right up our alley, so we got to get into that as well. 100%. That's a game changer. It's been a game changer for me because I can actually win money there, so I'm excited to tell you about that too. And for a lot of Nebraska folks, it's a game changer because it's legal in, in Nebraska. Exactly. Um, our Nebraska's first sports book is scheduled uh, to open up uh, later this summer. We'll see how that goes. We've heard that before. So, but right now, Bro Throw is available. So I wanted to kind of talk about uh, win totals within the Big Ten. You're obviously all over it when it comes to uh, Nebraska, the Big Ten West, and the Big Ten as a whole, and just kind of get your your thoughts over where these lines have been set, where Michigan and Ohio State, of course, they're at the front, and they're and I think that's where they should be. Uh, Michigan, 10.5. Ohio State, 10.5. But Michigan, that's a, that's a minus 120 bet, Meaning, you know, you're gonna you gotta pay a little bit of juice there. Ohio State, that's at a plus one ten. How are you leaning when you first hear that or first see that? Well, I think it's all on the quarterback, right? There's a lot of value in having a guy who returns like JJ McCarthy, and there's still a little bit of a question mark when you have Kyle McCord. And I think there was a conversation that he might not even be the starter just a month ago. So yeah, I, I would more favor Michigan in this spot because we know there's a guy who's back there leading who's been doing it for at least the past year, and he even got to play in a couple games before that. So I would favor Michigan here, but there's one team who people aren't talking about as much, who I think we need to focus on in the big tennies. You got okay. Penn state nine and a half. It's minus minus one thirty-eight mm-hmm. for me on FanDuel right now. I think Penn state at nine and a half is really intriguing because yeah, they've got a new quarterback, but they had one of the best running backs in the big 10 last year. He's a thousand yard rusher, Nick Singleton. Yeah. They got a solid defense. They have a coach who's going into a seventh, eighth year. I really like Penn state to get to that 10 win mark. So that's my favorite team in the East to take right now for the win total. Really like that you went there, Connor. Great minds think alike because that's where I was going to take it was the Penn State talk there. Another thing I really like about them, 
is they've done it before. Franklin has won the Big Ten coming out of the Eastern Division, Eastern side before, so it, it's nothing new. And, yeah, he's got a couple games to work with there set at a nine-and-a-half. You know, the other part about Ohio State, we talked about getting to 11 wins. It was 10-and-a-half, right? Yes. They have to get to, 10, or to 11 wins. That means they've got to beat both Michigan and Penn State because I'm guessing they're going to stumble once along the line. Now, mm-hmm. they've got to go to Notre Dame this year. They're obviously going to have to play other teams in the Big Ten East who are pretty solid. I don't want to say Michigan State's a team to watch for an upset because in the past they've been pretty good, but right now they're pretty depleted. But there's always someone along the line who can make magic happen, like a Maryland or someone else. So I like Ohio State this year. I just don't know that they're going to be able to work the magic they did last year with C.J. Stroud at quarterback. That's such a key position, and you just never know what's going to happen there. Yeah, and you knew what you had going in last year with the returning starter in Stroud. Michigan has that this year so it makes a lot of sense why you lean more towards michigan versus ohio state heading into this season shifting gears over to the west uh wisconsin's out in front with that eight and a half at a minus 130 if you're picking the over man i don't know about that there's so many question marks new coaching staff all that noise and wisconsin let's be honest they've underperformed you know the last couple seasons compared to where their standards have been set you know i i hear your sentiment and I get the idea that they didn't do as great last year and they've kind of been on this downward spiral, but Mm -hmm. they're bringing in, in my opinion, one of the best coaches in college football. I think Luke Fickle is undoubtedly a top 10 coach in the country. If Nebraska could have gotten him, I think the entire fan base would have been pumped about it. Obviously the situation went with Matt rule. People are excited about him, but if you're a Wisconsin fan and you have Luke Fickle, your confidence is through a roof right now. Mm -hmm. You play in the big 10 West. Who's been, dormant they're not very good no one in the big 10 west has been very good nebraska could have won the big 10 west last year and they were the worst team that we've seen play in lincoln in like 50 or 60 years so the fact that they could have actually come away with a uh, a win for that title last year gives you an idea of how far the how far the west has fallen yeah wisconsin doesn't need to do much to win it they just need to be a little bit better than average and i think they're going to do that you have a great, uh, great coach. You have a solid quarterback who's proven it the last couple of years. You have one of the best running backs, at least skill-wise, in the country in Braylon Allen. And their defense has consistently shown up over the past 10 years. So I actually like Wisconsin over eight and a half. You like the you like whiskey. They're getting some of that magic back with Luke Fickle. Hard to argue uh, when you bring Luke Fickle into the fold. Uh, he is a proven winner. Uh, look, Just look what he did at Cincinnati, right? Yeah, well, it's more so betting against the West. I'm going to bet that the other teams in the West are going to continue to be average. Now, there's hope that Bielema can recreate what he did last year, get to seven wins to Illinois. There's hope that Matt Rule can revive Nebraska, that Ferentz can do something now that he has McNamara. But in reality, because these teams have been so average over the past five, ten years, Mm -hmm. Wisconsin doesn't have to be elite. They just have to be good. And when you get a coach like Luke Fickle and you already have a roster like Wisconsin has, the expectation is that they're going to be good. Uh, man, you're, you're just preaching to the choir that win the games you're supposed to win. Where have I heard that before? <laughs> <laughs> Once or twice, right? Uh, you, you mentioned the Hawkeyes there. They're at seven and a half. And I'm seeing, a, you know, depending on what side of the Missouri River you're on, if you feel good about that seven and a half or not. Where, where do you land? Uh, it's tough. I think Ohio, or Iowa sorry, has been so consistent over over yeah. the long the long haul. And they've got to play some tough teams. They got to play at Ohio or at Iowa State this year. They've got to play at Penn State, at Wisconsin. I'd probably lean the under. Really? But Iowa is a team who it feels like has been consistently making, you know, a seven-win run for I don't know, five years at least. And they've yeah. been beating Nebraska consistently in that time. I think it's gonna be a key game at the end of the year there where they might be at seven. If they beat Nebraska, they get to eight. They lose to Nebraska, they don't. I'd probably favor Nebraska in that spot. Yeah. It's pretty amazing, even last year, where Nebraska was picked to win, and they did, and Iowa was just so much further ahead. You know, they were picked to represent the Big Ten West. They had a better team. You know, if you just look at the roster on paper, um, yep, that expectation's always there that Nebraska should win. I always find that interesting. I kind of feel like Iowa should go over um, in this spot just because of a lot of the things you mentioned there, just how consistent they are supposedly they've gotten better on offense. <laughs> we'll see about that. Um, but I, I like the Hawkeyes to, to reach eight wins this year, just out of how poor they've been offensively the last three or four years. They still get there. They still manage to do that. And plus they got some pretty soft uh, games early on in their schedule. 
we got a little bit of a bunch up in the middle here where Nebraska, Minnesota, Illinois, they're all at six and a half. Obviously, not everybody can get there. Uh, let's start with Illinois and, and Minnesota. Uh, what do you think of these two teams coming out of the West? Well, Illinois, I think it's going to have one of the best offensive lines in the Big Ten. So they're already going to be a problem. I don't know who their running back is going to be, but they do have Altmaier at quarterback now. I think he's already won the job. So they do have somebody who's, I don't want to say Altmaier is a proven quarterback, but he is a guy who's extremely talented. He was the backup at Ole Miss. He did play a little bit there, so he's done some things. Illinois is going to be in a good position on offense. What's their defense going to look like? They obviously lost some guys to the draft. They lost some guys to the draft on the offense as well, but the defense is going to be one of the biggest things that we're going to have to look at because they lost their uh, defensive coordinator. He's now the head coach at Purdue. They lost Witherspoon, uh, who's one of their top corners. They, they've they got some things that we're going to have to see proven before I can say they're a seven-win team once again. Illinois isn't going to just pop out and be a consistent seven-win team year after year until they can prove consistency. Right, right. And then Minnesota, I mean, they, they, they just go up and down, up and down. Row the boat. You know, where are you rowing it? Upstream, downstream. Where are we going here? Uh, but they're set at six and a half. And obviously, Nebraska's got a big game with the Golden Gophers early on in the season. Well, Minnesota has a really tough schedule. I'm looking at it now. They're on the road at Ohio State. They're at Iowa. They get Michigan at home, but they've got to go to UNC early. So that Nebraska game, in my opinion, is kind of a 50-50. I know that spreads at minus seven or minus eight Minnesota as of now. I'm sure that'll move closer to five. But they've got some tough tests early on. This is where Minnesota got lucky. A lot of people thought, oh, they lost Tanner Morgan, who's been there for five, six years. No, no, no. Kaliak Manis is better. He's a better dual threat player. He's got a better deep ball. And he's willing to take more risks. He opens mm -hmm. up the offense more. They also got Sean Tyler, the transfer from Western Michigan. So although they do, uh, do lose Ibrahim, mm -hmm. they brought in a running back who's fully capable of taking over and being the bell cow. They've got some other receivers who've been good in the past. I think Minnesota is going to be just fine. Six and a half does feel kind of low. And I don't know why the line's set there. That should set some alarms off in your head, right? Because they do have so much talent. Why is it not at least seven when we've seen them win 11 yeah. games in 2019? They won eight last year, I think it was. Yeah. So, yeah, some questions there for me from uh, or from me for the book. I would probably take the over in this spot usually, but because of their schedule, I'm going to stay away, and I'd say I'd, I would take the under. Maybe that's what the bookies are looking at there. Okay, let's get to it. Nebraska, the big red. That line is set at six and a half. We did a little speculation a couple of weeks ago on a show, and we thought – uh, probably come in at seven and a half. Again, there's more positivity, better feelings. We actually have a coach. I felt like Frost was on the hot seat. Let's be honest about it. Heading into to last season, so many question marks. And Trev Alberts, you know, uh, he came out and said, look, this hasn't always worked the best when you bring in transfer portal guys and are expecting so much from them. And the line was set at seven and a half last year with the majority of the money going on the over. This year, the script has kind of been flipped. Nebraska set at six and a half and all the noise, all the buzz I'm hearing is saying this is where it should be. You got half the money coming in on one side, half the money coming in on the other side and not too much argument really from either or. Well, let me first say the day this opened up on my book, I got it at six and I love six. I think there's a great chance for a push here because I think most of us assume Nebraska doesn't hit that six mark and kind of flatten out you've got three games that i think are free now you've never got a free game in lincoln but let me tell you you've got three free games in my opinion louisiana tech at nebraska northern illinois and nebraska both those teams are group of five and they're not very good group of five teams right they're teams that nebraska should be able to handle and then you've got a road game at colorado right now nebraska is a seven point favorite I think mm -hmm. seven they're gonna win that one i think colorado's got a lot of work to do and i think they're a three win team at best Okay. So if you've got three wins, are there three other on the schedule? Well, you look at it, Northwestern, Michigan State, Maryland, Purdue. I think there's some value in that six number. When we talk yeah. about six and a half, I'll be honest, I'm staying away. Yeah, It's really tough to every year buy into the hype that Nebraska has a chance yeah. to do some big things and to see it fail over and over again. So yeah. I'm staying away from six and a half. I do like six, but that's where my head's at. I, I agree with you 100. percent I would love to have gotten that and jumped on that six number. I waited a little too long and then caught that half game, that hook, and that's a tough one. And, and you're exactly right, Coach Rule. He's saying all the right things. He's doing all the right things. Uh, love what he was able to do as far as bringing the Bellevue West kid, the quarterback, getting him to flip from an SEC school. 
Um, but does that help winning that extra game, that seventh game this year? I don't know. So I think that's a, a real tough spot. Connor, we're up against the clock here. Could we steal you for one more segment, talk about some Big Ten contenders as far as winning the conference, and maybe a little some, some Heisman odds as well? Of course. All right, don't go anywhere, folks. This is WTL. And welcome back, everybody, to WTL. Where's the line? Nebraska's first and only sports betting show. We got Connor Hayden back in the fold with us here. Connor, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm loving what we got so far. <laughs> yes, sir. We got kind of hung up there on Nebraska, six and a half win total. <laughs> well, For good reason, though. Yeah, it's exciting to talk about because there is still hope in Nebraska that we can finally get to a bowl game. So that's why we like getting hung up on it. There we go. There we go. Uh, following up with that, let's talk about some teams that are predicted to win the Big Ten Conference and where these lines opened up, where we think they might move. And let's start at the tippy top. And that's with the Wolverines coming in at a plus 175. But right behind them, Ohio State at a plus 200. How do you like that matchup? It just feels like a 50-50 shot once again. That game yeah. is going to be in Michigan this year. Uh, you know, it is, it is going to be in Michigan. I remember watching JJ McCarthy sit on the sideline at Ohio state last year after that win. So it'll be in Michigan. You've got to assume Michigan's going to take it. That's why the line's obviously in their favor. I, again, don't like taking it because it feels like a 50, 50 shot, Ohio state and Michigan. But if we look at Penn state, what are the odds for them? Yeah, and I was going to go there. I'm like, if you're looking for a value in a future and you want to, you know, sprinkle a little coin out there, I think Penn State's your value play. I'm looking at a plus 700 right now. And a couple of things I like about the Nittany Lions, they've done it before with Coach Franklin. They've won the Big Ten coming out of the Eastern Division before. So this is nothing new for them. Um, I'm kind of surprised that they're placed behind Wisconsin as far as these initial lines to win the conference. Yeah, I don't know why they're not getting the respect. Again, they have a new quarterback. Maybe that plays into it. But I love when we can find value in a team who could actually win it. It doesn't feel like a 50-50 play. It feels a little bit more like a long shot, but Mm -hmm. a team who actually could do it. So Penn State would be my play in the East. What are Wisconsin's odds if they're in front of Penn State? 550 plus 550 is what I'm looking at. I don't know where that line's coming from. Maybe old Whiskey and the fan base are buying into Luke Fickle, much like uh, the Huskers bought into Scott Frost. I don't know. Well, back to what we were talking about earlier. It's coming in because they think Wisconsin's going to win the West. Mm-hmm. They just have to be good. They don't have to be great. And if you can get them to win one game after winning the West, one game over Ohio State, Michigan, or Penn State, then you got some free money there. That's a, that's a lot of value at plus 550. I probably wouldn't take it because I don't think Wisconsin is going to be in year one under Luke Fickle ready to play with the big boys like that. But I do understand why they're the favorite coming out of the West. Along the same lines there, and I just put up the graphic for those watching on YouTube, uh, Iowa comes in that next slot there at plus 800. Could you use that same type of logic as, look, they don't have to be great. They just have to be good. They have to win the Big Ten West, you know, win the games they're supposed to, knock off a, a Wisconsin, and then you're in the then you're in the show. You're in the conference title game, and it's game on. You could, but in my opinion, they don't have the talent that Wisconsin has, especially on defense or sorry on offense. And I don't think they have the coaching that Wisconsin has on offense. So if you're getting an, a Wisconsin team who now has an upgraded coach, and you're coming or you're going to look at a Ohio or Iowa team, sorry, so many names, an Iowa team who's coming off a down year where we thought they might fire their offensive coordinator. I've got to ride with the team who's trending up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree with that. So you're not buying into the incentive base uh, pay scale for the offensive coordinator over there at Iowa. Not at all. I think he's going <laughs> to fail miserably. I hope he does for Iowa fans sake. Uh, there's one little discrepancy, you know, usually when you look at the win totals for teams in a conference, they kind of mirror uh, who's who, the, how the lines are set as far as winning the conference. Minnesota is set to win six and a half games, the same as the Huskers. However, the Golden Gophers come in uh, fifth with a plus 1,400 to win the conference, where the Huskers are all the way down, kind of the bottom dwellers there, at a plus 2,500 to win the conference. Where does that discrepancy, that, that big line shift, where does that come from, Connor? Strength of schedule. So Wisconsin, or sorry, Minnesota 
has to play some tough games during the regular season. And because of that, their line is set at six and a half rather than being set at eight. This, in the, in Vegas' opinion, is a better team than Nebraska by, I think, eight points because they're an eight-point favorite at home in that first game. Obviously, there's some other factors that go into that. New coach's first game, uh, home game at night on, I think it's a Thursday night in Minnesota. So there's some factors there. But in, in general, it's the strength of schedule versus Nebraska, who doesn't have to play anybody super tough this year. And we, you know, Jabron and I on previous uh, episodes, we've talked about Nebraska winning the Big Ten, you know, that plus uh, 2,500. That's probably money you just kind of want to maybe keep in your back pocket, you think, or, hey, maybe Matt Rule, drink the Kool-Aid, the Rule-Aid, <laughs> Get, well, have some fun with it. I'll tell you, Nebraska could win the Big Ten. Here's how they would do it. Their offensive line and their defensive line would outperform any of our expectations. They would be the best they've been in the last five years. Yeah. And they would for sure have a chance. Nebraska has really good skill position talent. Uh, their DBs are fantastic. Their receiver and running back group together is pretty good. They're going to have something that tied in now that you've got Thomas Fedoni. Uh, I'm hoping that their offensive and defensive lines can improve a little bit. And if they do at all, we're going to see them go above that six win mark and potentially compete for the West. So if you believe in the line play, then yeah. take a shot in Nebraska. But if you're more hesitant like I am, then maybe stay away. It really is interesting where you're looking from top to bottom as far as the Big Ten West goes. You got a bunch up at six and a half there, Northwestern at three and a half. They're the, they're the bottom dwellers. But Nebraska, Minnesota, Illinois, all at six and a half. Then Wisconsin's a leader at eight and a half. So only a two-game difference from top to contenders. You don't see that in the East. You got your clear-cut favorites, and then you got the rest. Uh, but that's not what's going on in the West. Yeah, in the East, you have great teams. You have good teams, you have average, and you have bad. So you can see the difference between those and their win totals. Whereas in the West, you have a couple good teams, yeah. a couple average teams, and then maybe one or two bad teams. But outside of that, all those teams kind of look the same. Anybody can beat each other on any given day. You're not seeing that when Ohio State goes and plays at Indiana. Right. They could have a just a horrendous game but still win by three touchdowns. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> type of a type of a deal there. Well, hey, we mentioned it earlier, Connor. Um, you are the creator of Corn Crazed YouTube channel. Nearly 20,000 subs coming out with content every week. Uh, a lot of fun there. I think every Husker fan that is on YouTube is fully aware of you and what you do. One of your latest episodes or videos was talking about Heisman favorites. Us being a sports betting show, that caught my eye. I had to watch the whole thing. And I, I took some tidbits out of there. I, I want to question you on. Can we do that? Of course. All right, uh, you broke it down to like three different segments and long shots, contenders, and favorites. Let's talk about those long shots. That's kind of fun. And, and this was one that I think makes a lot of sense. Tanner Mordecai plus 12,000 for Wisconsin to win the Heisman. I love those odds. I will take those all day long. I don't understand the Tanner Mordecai disrespect. I have heard some people say, oh, he didn't have a good spring. And, oh, he doesn't look like the quarterback that he was at SMU. I don't care about any of that. It's spring. The guy is coming off back to back 3,500 yard seasons. He's been at Oklahoma. He's been at SMU. Now he's with an elite coach in Fickle at Wisconsin. His OC is Phil Longo, who developed uh, Drake May. I don't understand plus 12,000. Is there something I'm not seeing? Is there an injury I don't know about? Maybe because it just doesn't make sense. There's a lot of disrespect there for a QB who's going to throw it a lot, who's going to play on a team who's favored to win the West mm -hmm. and has an elite running back right next to him. So yeah. I, I love plus 12,000. It checks a lot of boxes. Like you're saying, they're going to get the wins. Most Heisman winners have to play on a team that rack up the wins. He's a proven quarterback. And he's going to have a strong running game at his disposal with Wisconsin. I think a lot of it has to go back to the bias of Wisconsin just has uh, questionable quarterback play over yep. the years. Even when they're great teams going to Rose Bowls and stuff like that, you could still put a big question mark by that quarterback position. I think that's what's going on there uh, with Tanner Mordecai. I would guess so. It's it's the Wisconsin QBs of the past, but this could be a Russell uh, Russell Wilson situation. Right. You have a real quarterback come in. They have a new coach. They have a new look. It's not the Wisconsin that we're used to seeing. Mm -hmm. I think people are getting hung up on that. I've got a lot of comments on some of my videos. They're saying, oh, Wisconsin's going to come out and throw the ball a lot. That doesn't work in the Big Ten. Just look at Nebraska last year. Yeah. It works with the right OC, with the right offensive line, with the right quarterback and some receivers who can catch the ball. It works. 
yeah, uh, heard a buzzer there, so we, we're up against the horn there, but we're, we're okay. We're going to keep going because we are cooking. I agree with everything you say there. Uh, I, I love me some Mordecai at that odds as well. And, yeah, I think people kind of forget about old Russell Wilson and that magic that they had that one season. It was like, if you can insert a quarterback that has a vertical passing game, some crazy things, good things can happen for your offense. Yep. Um, then you had contenders. And this was a little bit surprising to me. I had to raise an eyebrow. I actually went and checked on two or three books <laughs> to make sure I had this number right. <laughs> Nebraska quarterback Jeff Sims at a plus 6,500. That is the line. Jeff Sims, when you walk through it, talk through it, maybe you can convince me. But, man, just reading it, hearing it, uh, what's going on there? Jeff Sims is an elite athlete. He's kind of like Anthony Richardson from last year at Florida. Anthony Richardson had pretty decent Heisman odds as well. When you have a guy who can do it all with his legs and he can throw it a bit, he's going to rack up a lot of yards. The only issue for Nebraska, in my opinion, is that he's not going to have the wins he needs to be considered. And you put him against guys like Nick Singleton and Travion Henderson, who both have the exact same plus 6,500 odds, and it does make you scratch your head. But like I said, you have Jeff Sims who can run it and pass it. He can rack up a lot of yards. Nick Singleton and Travion Henderson aren't going to be able to do as much of that because they're going to have quarterbacks who throw it all over the field. So it's a lot of respect being given to him because of how much or how big of a piece he is to that offense and how much they're expecting him to do next year. And you can see a path where, okay, if Nebraska accidentally wins seven, maybe eight games, and not even wins the Big Ten, but goes to the Big Ten championship, and he just performs well. He looks good. They don't get blown out by Michigan or Ohio State or Penn State. Uh, you could see that path uh, to him getting invited to New York for the ceremonies, at least. Favorites, well, let's start with J.J. McCarthy. Michigan, plus 3,000. I don't know what more you, you'd want out of a Heisman hopeful than the Michigan quarterback heading into this season. Yeah, runs, passes. He opened it up towards the end of the year last year. I think the only issue with Michigan is they love to run the ball, and they've got two great running backs they're going to have to yeah. give it to. So J.J.'s hurt a little bit by that, but on the other end, Quorum's hurt by that as well. So right. I like Michigan's chances to get a Heisman because you have two really good players who obviously opened up his favorites. But it's going to be tough because they're competing against each other. It reminds me of the Matt Leinart, Reggie Bush days, and it ended up yeah. being kind of the Reggie Bush show after Matt Leinart learned his role and yeah. USC figured out we can just run the ball down their throats, but who knows what Michigan's going to do this year. The, the run game didn't get them to the national championship last year, or it didn't get them to win the national championship last year. So towards the end there, they might have to pass a little bit more. We'll see, but I do like Michigan's chances to get at least one guy to New York. That That is very interesting because both McCarthy, the quarterback and Corum, the supposed number one running back, they both have 3000 odds plus 2,500 odds, depending where you're looking. Another quarterback, Kyle McCord, uh, is actually out in front of these guys at plus 2,000 on a lot of sports books. Um, and you mentioned, like, he was in a little bit of a quarterback battle maybe in the spring. Why is his odds so much better when he's not even a for-sure starter for Ohio State? Who are the two highest receivers in the Heisman odds? Do you know their names? Marvin <laughs> Harrison Jr. Jr. One and Emeka Abuka. Yeah. So you've got the two supposed best receivers in the country. On his side, I mean, it sounds like free money because the quarterback's usually the one to win it. When you have two elite receivers who are going to make big yards after catch, I mean, that's why not take a shot on the guy who's coming in with the best talent around him? Yeah, you get to throw a five-yard slant pass, complete it to a wide-open receiver, turns into a 40-yard touchdown. Pretty good deal for the quarterback of Ohio State. It's less about the quarterback, and it's more about what's around him. You've got Ryan Day. You've got the great receivers. Travion Henderson's plus 6,500, and they've got Mayan Williams back. They have a great offensive line. They have the defense to win them games. I mean, come on. Plus 2,000 makes sense. Yeah. So, okay, I'm going to put you on the spot. If you only have $5 left in your, your pocket, in your bankroll, whatever, who are you picking right now as your Heisman favorite, regardless of odds or who it is or where they're playing? In the Big Ten or overall? Yeah, let's say in the Big Ten. Yeah, in the Big Ten, I'm probably going to take Marvin Harrison Jr. for fun. If I had to say who I actually thought would win it, it'd be Kyle McCord. But that's not any fun. That's the favorite. So let's say let's say Marvin Harrison Jr. I like that a lot. He also, I was thinking about him earlier, he has the name, and that goes a long ways. Like, it's already built in. He's at Ohio State. A lot of things there to like about Harrison Jr., Hey, Connor, we mentioned it earlier. You also represent 
Brothrow, a new sports betting platform. Uh, you also help out with a lot of their YouTube content, their YouTube channel. For folks that don't know what the heck that is, could you give us a, an elevator speech here? What's going on with Brothrow? What is it exactly? Yeah, so for context, I live in California, and just like Nebraska, you can't bet on sports here legally. So I got approached by a brand last year called Brothrow. They're a sports betting platform that allows you to bet with other players around the country. So you sign up for free, you get all the lines for straight bets, and you can play money lines and totals, but just one game bets. You go on there and you use Venmo, Cash App, PayPal to pay each other. And you just make your bets, take the spread, and you're good to go. You can set your lines. You can set your odds for money lines. And, yeah, it's been a great tool for me to be able to play on that's actually legal and acceptable to use that have to go through my bookie. Now, the other part that a lot of people get excited about, it's even odds. So there is no juice. There is no VIG. You save a lot of money over time. So if you would have bet, let's say, $5,000 over the course of the last football season, and yet broke even, you would have lost 10%. So you would have lost $500. But when you play right. on Brothrow, you would have saved that juice. You would have ended up making a little bit of money. So yeah, Brothrow has been a lifesaver for me. I've won a lot more on Brothrow than I have when I've played on, played in Vegas, played on any sports book online. So yeah, Brothrow has been a life changer for me. Yeah, a lot of pros uh, versus cons there when you when you talk Brothrow. And I just caught you talking about it a little bit on one of your previous videos on Corn Craze. So Connor... Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, where can people find you, both at Corn Craze and Brothrow? Yeah, so if you want to sign up for our Brothrow, you go to brothrow.com slash GBR. You can sign up. That puts you directly into our Corn Craze group. So you'll be able to see other Corn Craze members, what they're betting on. You can play against them. If you want to find my YouTube channel, it's just youtube.com slash Corn Crazed. It's simple spelling. And you can find me there. So. I think if you go to YouTube and just type in anything Huskers, you're going to pop up pretty quick. There, with Type it, yeah. Type in Nebraska football, and one of my videos will show up pretty quick. That's awesome. You've done a fantastic job across the board. Connor, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Don't go anywhere, folks. This is WTL. And welcome back, everybody, to WTL. Where's the line? I'm your host, Andy Class, and joined by Jabron. Oh, the parlay pounder. You got it. How about Connor Hayden? Yeah, those last couple segments. He knows his Nebraska Huskers. He knows his Big Ten. Go Big Red, yeah. And Bro Throw, that's something definitely folks need to check out. Why not? Hey. Hey. If you don't have to pay a VIG, I guess don't pay the VIG. Don't pay the VIG if you don't have to. Don't pay the juice. There you go. There you go. I think we got to talk about some action that's going on in Omaha, in yes. Nebraska. Yep. That is the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. Huskers coming off a big, thrilling, come-from-behind win. Yeah. Well, I mean, they had the lead, but then they gave up the lead. I mean, <laughs> that game had a little bit of everything. Very yeah. fun, very entertaining. It's awesome. Sets up a couple of really fun games coming up here today. Yeah. Uh, is that where you wanted to start with? Did let's you want to start it. with that? Let's, uh, let's start with Game 7 there, Andy, with the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, taking on the Indiana Hoosiers in Game 7 of the tournament at 2 p.m. at Charles Schwab Field in Omaha. Yeah, Game 1, Iowa just took control. Actually, 10-run <laughs> ruled. Yeah. Uh, that I mean, that brings back Little League memories. Yeah. Oh, we got 10 run again. <laughs> in eight innings, yeah, like you said. <laughs> And obviously that bodes well for Iowa. They didn't have to spend too much on their pitching, uh, the shortened game, all those things. Indiana in Game 2, on the other hand, had a pretty close game, 4-3 yeah. to three win over Illinois. Illinois made a late charge there, yeah. came roaring back, but Indiana had enough to fend them off. Yeah, Indiana was a lot of fun to watch. That, that was a really good baseball game, yeah. Andy. And freshman Tyler Kearney led a trio of Hoosiers with multiple hits in the tournament opener for a 2-4 for four day at the plate. He really brought it home for the uh, Hoosiers there in you know the late the late window of that game. So that that was a lot of fun to see. Uh, like you said about the Iowa Hawkeyes, uh, that that Ooh. was that was pretty crazy to see, especially a school like Michigan yeah. take a big L like that, not being able to play the entire game. But uh, Braden uh, Frazier led the way for the Hawkeyes with a three <laughs> for five day at the plate. Frazier hit a grand slam yeah. in the fifth inning as part of a six-run frame for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, <laughs> Sam Peterson was also two for four with a three-run homer. So when you're when you guys got uh, guys got 
bats like that, it's easy to stack up runs on people. <laughs> hey, give the Hawkeyes their due. They are a 40-win team, and whenever you're a collegiate baseball team and you yeah. can get to that 40-win mark, you're, you're doing something right, well, and yeah. that is Iowa. Well, you can just see that, Andy, by, you know, I'm looking at DraftKings uh, Sportsbook right now, and the odds to win the College World Series, uh, Iowa's the best in the Big Ten at plus 10,000 right now. In <laughs> uh, plus 10,000, hey. everybody's going to laugh at that and all that kind of stuff, yep. but there's not a lot of teams that are, you know, no, not out of the Big Ten. <laughs> not this out year. of the Big Ten. So that that is the you know that's the highest the Big Ten gets is Iowa right now. So uh, in this game, Andy, Iowa versus Indiana. I kind of want to get your thoughts. I mean, I, I really think you hit the nail on the head there with them not having to use a lot of their pitching. Right, they're kind of on cruise control that whole entire game. Yeah. and Indiana was kind of in a dogfight. So I do believe the Hawkeyes definitely have the edge in this game, and it'll probably be a little bit of the same show with the black and uh, black and yellow kind of yeah. racing out in front. Yeah, and that was kind of the theme <clears throat> after day one of the tournament was it was a little chalky, but it was entertaining. Yeah. I think you hit, you said it. I was going to win. Uh, Indiana's a good team, but they've played them a few times already this year. Yeah. Um, so they're not going to be surprised. It's as a neutral field. For uh, sure. field that everybody wants to get back to <laughs> <laughs> after the conference tournament. Yeah. Um, so give, give me the Hawkeyes. If we're doing the, you know, the minus one and a half <laughs> type deal, I still think Iowa could cover that as well. Yeah, I think the Hawkeyes. Hawkeyes with the bats in this game. Obviously, Indiana uses their ace in game one. Yeah. Uh, those guys are swinging the bat well. And like you said, this is the right field to get hot on. So Iowa, they're going to pick up another win tomorrow. But the way that this tournament is kind of set up, Andy, is that nobody's out right now. Right. Yeah. We're talking about the four teams that won the first games mm-hmm. here of the tournament. So no matter what, it's double in- a double elimination tournament. So yep. even yep. if in- Indiana loses, they will play the winner of Michigan, Illinois, uh, in, in the next in the next day. So no matter what, Indiana won't be out of it. But I do believe Iowa gets the win tomorrow. Yep. Then they're going to go up 2-0 in the tournament yep. here and put themselves in an even better position. <laughs> For sure. Should we move on to game eight? Let's do it. This is what we're talking about. <laughs> the Maryland Terrapins had a scare. Yeah. In game three, uh, got a little fortunate there. Uh, tournament record turned. Five yeah, double plays that was awesome. over Michigan State to hold them off. Michigan State actually had a better day at the plate. Yeah, uh, no Maryland doubt. only recorded five hits, and were su- su- their good teams win. They figure out how to win. Yep, that is the Terrapins. They won three to two over Michigan State, setting up Maryland taking on the Nebraska Huskers. Yep, and they won a thrilling game yesterday. Wow. Yeah, we we alluded to it earlier, but start off hot, got off that three zero, three to zero. Um, lead. Yeah, in the first inning. Yeah, gave it, you know, slowly, slowly yep. gave it back to Rutgers and give Rutgers a lot of credit. Um, they hung with the race. That freshman got beat up early, but yep. man, did he lock pitched it in. A, pitched a wow. heck of a game. He really did. He really did. And Max Anderson, of course, went two for four. He did his thing. Yep. Um, the, the stars came out. <laughs> Uh, a kid I, I really like to watch, Casey Burnham, just because I did yeah. so many of his high school games at Grand Island. Yep. He was he was teeing off, but he was hitting the ball right at people. Yeah, he just, you know he went he's a zinger. <laughs> yeah, he went over three, but that doesn't tell the whole story. But that's kind of how it goes. Nebraska does come back though; they win nine to seven. I I mean, what more can you say about that type of a game? It was just awesome, Andy. And what really stood out to me, Andy, is watching this team all year. I'm a huge Nebraska baseball fan. It's when they got down. You know, in mm-hmm. like the seventh, eighth inning, they would get down on themselves and it kind of just, you know, <laughs> yeah. the game would be over. Yep. That is not the way that this team played today. They threw up six runs in the seventh inning to come storming back. <laughs> it was all about control at the plate. They took a whole bunch of walks, took a whole bunch of hit by pitch things, and they were yep. just, you know, they were just, you know, comfortable up there and, you know, being behind. And that's really what you got to do yeah. to be a really good baseball team, especially during tournament time. Is not get out of your element, not to mm-hmm. get you know unrelaxed and just you know let it come to you. Yep. Let let the game come to you. So I really like the Nebraska Cornhuskers uh, the way they play today. But again, this is the number one seed 
you know Maryland Terrapins. Right. Past the the starter, you know, Nebraska started going through some relievers there. Shea Shinneman, another guy on yep. the Grand Island, Grand Island shout out. Yep. He got touched up, right? Um, but there could be a saving grace there. And you could say the same for Maryland. They didn't spend too much time on the mound. They should be rested. They should for be sure. ready to go. Uh, Maryland, I think, went through five or six pitchers. They did, but so, they weren't out there very long. No, they weren't. And the guy that got the win only pitched two and a uh, two and a third innings anyhow, yeah. or something like that. So I think you're going to see a rested bullpen, mm-hmm. and it's going to it's probably going to come down to who gets that bullpen first. It, no, exactly, Andy, and I. I that's exactly how you want to frame it. Uh, you know, Luke Singler from Maryland, he's the guy that had, you know, the big two hits. You know, the only two hits for Maryland. Everybody else only had one hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they only had five on the day, but that's that's their big stick. I really like Nebraska's chances tomorrow just because Max Anderson and Gabe Swanson are <laughs> swinging the bat so well. Yeah. And I, I just, I really like... Bryce Matthews is going to make a, he's back. He's gonna make a statement in one of these games, yeah. and it could be tomorrow. So if Bryce has a big game, that means Nebraska is going to win. So I really like the Nebraska Cornhuskers. I know it's you know kind of homer of me to mm-hmm. take them over the number one seed here. We're playing in Omaha. It's gonna be big red country there. We're taking this down, and it's going to propel us into that next round. Hey, there's uh, reportedly over 8,000 at the game on Wednesday uh, against Rutgers at a 2 o'clock time. For sure. Tomorrow, prime time, people are going to come out, and... Let's let's all be honest here in in Big Ten country and you know just Nebraska here. Mm-hmm. The reason that the Big Ten keeps coming back here is because they actually get fans to come right. to these games. It breaks the attendance record of the Big Ten tournament every time they come back here, <laughs> and not just for Nebraska games. Right. People right. are coming out to see Michigan State. People are coming out to see Iowa. People Indiana. are coming out to see Minnesota. It doesn't yep. matter who's playing. Nebraska loves baseball, and yes, I'm one of those people. I am too, and I think the scoreboard is. Going Going to get lit up Let's tomorrow go. between the Terrapins and the Huskers. The top four home run hitters, sluggers out of the Big Ten, come from Maryland, Nebraska, Maryland, Nebraska. That's Matthew <laughs> Shaw, Max Anderson, Nick Lucero, and Bryce Matthews, Woo-hoo! all with twenty or more dingers on the year. So yep. you know, depending where you're at, you know, look at look at your app, look at your betting so site. So might want a right field seat, is what you're saying. And you might want to bet on those overs or take a look at those take overs. A look at those take overs. a good look at the overs because there's going to be some sluggers, and we already talked about how many uh, pitchers got ran through in yep. game one. For, for each sure. of these teams. So for me, it's adding up to a very exciting game. And I yeah. don't know what it is about the Huskers. They, they'll sweep Iowa yep. at Iowa. Then they'll turn around and lose to South Dakota State. <laughs> I, you know, you know, Creighton or UNO. Right. Yeah. You, you know, but yeah, sweep Penn State, come back, drop a game to, you know, New Mexico. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it's it's crazy how it's, it's, it's gone this year. But the Nebraska Cornhuskers are a team to deal with, and people know yeah. that in the Big Ten. We can beat anybody. We have 32 wins on the year. We're here to stay, and I really think we get the win against the Terrapins tomorrow. All right. I'm not going to argue today. with that. Sorry. Today. Yeah, today. Maybe a little wishful thinking, but <laughs> uh, I'm going to hop on board with Let's that. Let's go. I think that's going to about do it for this week. Yes, it is. All right. So be sure to follow us on ESPN Tri-Cities Radio and on Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. That thing has been growing. It's been it a has. lot of fun creating those short videos and all that stuff. Uh, receive our daily free picks over on TikTok if you're uh, over on the old TikTok. Yep. For Jabron, the parlay pounder, I'm Andy Klassen. Thank you for listening. This has been WTL. WTL.